Don't let the Democrats take you for granted. Don't let them step on you. Don't let them destroy your families, your lives, and your future. Don't let them kill future generations because they told you and brainwashed you and fed you lies that you weren't good enough. Like my parents, you can achieve your American dream. You can be that shining example to the world. Manifest and be the change in this country that you dream, that you hope, that you believe in. Stand for an American president who is fearless, who believes in you, and who loves this country and will fight for her. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Want to dedicate this joint right here Jonathan Jackson and George Jackson. Peace to those brothers. Want to shout out my man Sharon the Worm. 80 years. Come on, nigga. Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the Burn Down Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hezekiah, along with my friend, Olivia Seaman. Say hello, Liv. Hello. Today we're going to be interviewing Robert Dean. Robert, can you tell us a little about yourself? Who you are, where you're from? Howdy, y'all. I'm Robert Dean. I am from Austin, Texas, by way of the south side of Chicago. And I am a journalist, raconteur, and enlightened dumbass, and the constant <laughs> search for culture and information and uh, continued enlightenment. That's cool. Uh, could you tell us what your leanings are politically? Who are you? Uh, I consider myself, above all things, a humanist. Mm-hmm. I don't try to... I am a very left-leaning person. I'm a very extraordinarily left-leaning person, but I also understand reality. And so yeah. I try to keep my political views based on the greater good instead of adhering to strong labeling. Because, I mean, I definitely do not lean right on anything, but I also understand right-leaning mentality because I try to look at things holistically so above all things I try to look at it from a humanist point of view but am I a left-leaning person at the long and short of it absolutely um so being in Texas I can see how you would you would uh you know try to find uh a lean into right-leaning thinking like, uh, I don't know anything about Texas. I know people from Texas, but I'm like, how is it? I, my first question would be, how is it being a left-leaning person living in a supposedly right-leaning state like Texas? 
One of the greatest like cultural misappropriations we have about Texas is that people think that they like Texas is so wildly misunderstood. Texas is a thirty a state of thirty six million people that it's not necessarily that they vote red, it's that it's a non voting state. Texas is its own identity that views itself Texan above anything else. So what happens in America is part of a viewpoint, but ultimately people here don't give a shit because they're like, no, we're Texas. America's shit is America's shit. So that's like the central starting point you have to think of. But ultimately, by the way that people vote here, it's not this like red wonderland that people think. All those major cities in Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Austin, and then the uh, Rio Grande Valley, which we call the Valley, all of them vote Democratic, strongly Democratic. Hillary only lost Texas by 1.5 million votes in a, in a state of 36 million. When Beto O'Rourke lost Ted Cruz for the uh, Senate seat, he only lost by 500,000. So by those numbers, and then, but within that comes the argument of, or the facts of that, I should rather say, Houston is the most diverse city in America. It's New York in the 70s. You can be any form, function, or whatever you relate to. There is a scene or there is a place for you in Houston, Texas. And you go to these cities like San Antonio is on its way to becoming the uh, Hispanic version of Atlanta. And so we have all these cities with vastly different identities. But the one thing in common with them is they all vote Democratic. And what we thought working and writing about stuff is that we had always thought that Texas would become a swing state because Texas when probably two decades ago was actually a Dixiecrat state uh, uh, voted blue and then kind of got lumped in with the conservative agenda of the uh, mid 80s but prior to that it always Lyndon Johnson's from here and so um, after that we had always thought that Texas would become a swing state by 2024 given so many new people move into the state, a lot of older people are dying, a lot of people of color, uh, like Hispanics, like uh, the black population, everybody is voting now and is, is like enamored with personal politics. And so for the first time, we're seeing a genuine interest in the idea, like it is in play, the Democratic uh, Party is putting the ball in play to try to flip it this year in 2020, which uh, statistically is entirely possible. So we're four years ahead of schedule to make Texas a swing state. It'll never be a solidly blue state, mm -hmm. but for it to be like the next Florida is 100%. That's the future of this of this place now. Yeah, I, I've noticed that like when a lot of my, uh, my, I would say liberal friends are moving to Texas, I just had a friend move there not too long ago, and even she was saying the same thing. And like te Texas gets a bad rap, but it's just like that old saying that that uh, people who would vote Democrat don't vote. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I a mean, lot of a lot of these quote unquote conservative states are just that way because you know people because the Democrats aren't really appealing to a lot of us. <laughs> So they don't vote at all. So the Republicans win. It's to that, and they necessarily like the the Republican Party is strong and well funded here, and it's something that like the moneyed parts of the Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth area 
pumped a lot of money into gerrymandering the district. So if you go to these like small towns, like I think it's like Marlin, Texas is one of them. It's like a small like Eastern town. And it's like the majority of it is black. And if you roll through there, it's exactly what you think it is. There's mass poverty, but it's a good working class town. But if you look about like polls and where people can go get in line and do those kinds of things, they're like, oh yeah, you gotta go 30 miles over here to the white part. And you're like, okay, we know exactly what you're trying to do. And yeah. thankfully, the representation of Texas, like the, the uh, Texas House, I think is almost like we flipped like six or seven seats last. I think actually, I think the uh, Democrats actually have the majority in the Repu- in the uh, House of Representatives now. Wow. Damn. It's the complete opposite of Pennsylvania. Uh, our, our state is notoriously is notoriously a blue state sometimes. Um, we flip, They flipped red last time because, you know, Hillary was such a... She didn't really campaign in Pennsylvania, which is just like, okay, that was dumb. But, you know, I don't want to relive 2016s. You know, we've already done that a million times. But we, we have... We mostly vote Democratic, but our... Our House and Senate is usually it's usually Republican, so yeah. that's how yeah, I mean it's works. yeah it's a gigantic state essentially controlled by two major metro areas uh, and anything outside of that is rural and you know where they're going yeah yeah <laughs> Liv, you have yeah. anything yeah so um you said you were originally from Chicago and um before we started recording you said um about coming from a working class background, um, how do living in those places and you know your um, your personal your family history um, impact uh, impact your uh, political leanings? Basically, like I am extraordinarily left because I grew up in punk rock and hardcore, and so like that was my education of what politics was and what becoming anti-racist and anti. Uh, misogynist and like being open to new religions and new experiences and not calling vegans pussies and stuff like that is because I grew up in that environment of I grew up in a place like I'm from I'm 100% Irish I'm from like an Irish Catholic working class neighborhood where everyone's either a cop or a criminal like dude standing on the corner drinking Dunkin Donuts and a cocked White Sox hat talking to somebody and you don't know if that's a deal or fucking he's an informant and so that shit like the departed is where i grew up and i'm from seven blocks south of where the white Sox. yeah like seven yeah about seven blocks south where the white Sox play and it's a totally different environment like there's no like the the things that i had discovered as a child like i grew up in a place that was like extraordinarily racist and homophobic and all that shit and i'll be the first to tell you i grew up in that environment i've said racist shit but once i like discovered that that's not cool that these people that i really enjoyed listening to that were like holy shit they're teaching me that all of the things that were baked in were wrong that's when my life my life changed because i'm not like most of the people that where i come from everyone's a bricklayer a carpenter they don't give a fuck about social values they they just care about how it affects them and theirs and when you think about that like having the working class mentality is more or less it's a hand-to-mouth existence and so you have to think of 
how do the overall ideas affect the broader spectrum of people? And for them, they're like, look, as long as I keep working and I keep my family fed, that's where their focus is. Getting a weekend to go to like Kenosha, Wisconsin, or like buy a uh, buy a lake, buy a place out on the lake where they don't have to deal with the city for a couple of days. That's like their slice of heaven. So when you start impacting these larger social narratives, unless you're in the weeds and can really sit down with folks and give like have a conversation to teach them like why this mentality is wrong in certain ways then they all open up and they see it but ultimately those choices stem from like hearing nirvana seeing the inside of lyrics of uh incesticide singers like if you racist homophobic or misogynistic don't buy our fucking records don't come to our shows that moved into rage against the machine and i was like 13 when the first rage record came out and that shit blew my mind like the leonard peltier video for freedom and then getting into zach's lyrics and then evil empire came out when i was 16 and then i was full-blown like punk and into hardcore then and i started hearing bands like snapcase and strife and i started going to shows and they would have these tables full of uh you know literature for the Krishnas and like vegan and animal rights and like anti-homophobia like campaigns and like anti-racist campaigns and I was like because I didn't know I'm not exaggerating I didn't know a Jewish person until I was in my 20s I never never knew one I knew Mexican people and I knew uh, white people that's it like I black people live in Chicago for sure but I didn't know any of them personally they're just people that like coexisted and so like once you get into the scene and then you learn about things and you saw that all the shit that you were taught you needed to unlearn and then that opened up completely new avenues and so it's been like my job is like a working class backgrounded person who ended up becoming a so-called fucking intellectual or whatever the fuck you want to call a writer uh <laughs> to, to like explain these things in the best way possible and to like when i sit down and i go back home and i go in like a working class bar drinking with like bricklayers and plumbers is to not shit on them because if you just shit on them, they're never gonna understand the, 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 what you're trying to teach them. But like, if you can do it in a way that they get what you're saying, you can open up a lot more eyes to like social progress and like why certain things are needed. So I don't know if that answered the question, uh -huh. but I hope it did. No, no, totally. That's it's kind of similar for me too. Yeah, a punk rock, punk rock uh, is what opened me up because I'm from a rural, you know, working class like background, and I love my fucking dive bars. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's if you can take our background, then that's the thing is like if you can take the background and be patient and understand, you go because most that's the thing about like Trump people is like a lot of them are actually just good people that just wanted they felt like their time was over or like that the industry that they were in was over and like they don't know if you're a dude who's been like you know fixing pipes for 35 years and somebody goes yeah the pipe factory closed you're gonna be pissed off about that because that's your entire identity and livelihood some dude who's been in the game fucking it's creeping retirement you tell him he's out of a gig and he's suddenly got to learn how to like do something new is going to be mad and so if you can go well let's look at it holistically and go back why did the system fail you in the first place that's what we need to look at it's not why are you getting fucked you're getting fucked because they're greedy sons of bitches and capitalism is gonna fucking its greasy tendrils inside of you and never let go but we should look at it from the other point of view just the same of when we when we need a solution just like when the pandemic hit why aren't they helping you 
that's mm. the problem across the board. Like, if like what if you gotta learn a new gig, we should have had a plan for this fucking ten years ago already in place. Yeah. Preach yeah. to the choir, man. Answer's not punching down. That's for fucking sure. That's yeah, I just. Good, yeah, get your job back better. Because so. I've been in these places. Like, look, I'm I'm a writer. I'm a child of. Charles Bukowski and Tom Waits and put me in a fucking dive bar with a good jukebox on the, the fucking hits a Howlin' Wolf for Johnny Cash. I will drink Jameson all day and before you know it, 15 minutes later, I got six dudes around me and we're slapping backs and cutting up. So <laughs> if you can convert, if you can convert one or two minds, you're on the right track to something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, you preach to the choir, man. I've, I've always had, you know, sympathy for people in rural areas, people who are working class, who had, you know, factory jobs, and their, their job went away, and then, like, there's no solution for those people. We just, a lot of, a lot of the time, the elites, they just look down on them and go, well, it's all your fault that you lost your job. Why don't you get a new one? Why don't you go to college or something like that? Like I was yeah. just, I was just watching. Um, I forget what I was watching. It was some show where uh, the guy on there was saying, well, "Well, Trump, all Trump voters are people who didn't go to college, so he's attracting the stupidest people in America." And I'm like, "Well, well, how, how the fuck do you think that's gonna work out for you if you're just insulting these people?" Yeah. That's why they voted for Trump in the first place because they don't think they don't think you care about them. That's that that's that liberal bullshit of like college matters, and I tell people all the time. I've told kids like when kids ask me if they like if they want to be a writer, and I'm like, you want to be a fucking writer? Here's the thing: fuck college. You don't need college. Do you know how to like do basic English? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, here, go to your fucking anywhere that you give a shit about, and go. I just want to be an intern. I just want to learn from you. And you can learn how to fucking do what you do, but also there is nothing wrong with working with your hands. There is nothing wrong with finding a gig that makes you happy or pays your bills or that you can live with yourself. No one said you have to go to fucking school to become, you know, an art major in Russian dance history or some bullshit like that. Like, yeah. you know, like find it. You know, like it's just. The greatest fallacy is this thing of being too big for your britches and trying to be the smartest guy in the room, mm -hmm. and that's where they get that fucking, oh, the elites attitude, and most people aren't necessarily the elites, but unfortunately, there are these people that have become placeholders that have gotten rich on the job that now, you know, our representation are millionaires that are trying to, like, pretend like they even understand our point of view. Like, what the fuck do you think Nancy Pelosi has in common with us? Nothing. Like, not a damn thing. Nothing. She's a multi-millionaire with a multi-millionaire husband. Is her heart in the right place in most cases? I guess probably. I mean, she's the best dancer that exists in that in that context, but she doesn't fucking know what it's like to be like, well, I have 500 bucks for the next week and a half, if that. So I gotta get around, get gas, get groceries, and pay a phone bill. That's reality for most of us. And her, like, I, I do applaud them for wanting to jack the, uh, 
the response package up to three trillion when they would when the uh, right would only go to a trillion, which is total garbage bullshit. And during an election year, those people just want to get fucking kicked out. Yeah, it's and then you know the the right only wants to help the corporations that don't need any help in the first place. They got offshore accounts and shit. They'll be fine. Uh, not helping the 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 working class. I mean, I like I thought. I, I guess you call me naive that this pandemic, like we would all band together, and you know they they'd actually try to do shit to help the working class. But like, <laughs> I'm sad to say I was wrong. <laughs> and, and I'm like, duh, of course, of course I was wrong. It's, why would they help the working class? You know what I mean? You would, you would necessarily think that they would help the working class, or they would help people. Period. But because of it's, it all started with Trump. Trump is a fucking. He is a folk hero for assholes. He brings out the worst in people. Like the thing about him is when people talk about like, oh well, Joe oh, yeah. Biden's like this fucking thing. I was like, Joe Biden's just letting Trump beat himself. All he has to do is just release a statement now and again and just be like, look, bro, you're doing a great job of fucking yourself over and I'll just take that to the bank, which is fine. But that dude has essentially just brings out the literal worst in people and humanity. And he gave all these assholes instead of like being roaches under the rocks, he lets them come out. And so he's the figurehead of the party because he is the worst of people. So they take a page from his book and then they act cold and callous and they don't realize that all of these politicians who are in the game forever are so out of touch with reality. It's insane. And so when you try to have them talk about their constituents or talk about this, they the Republicans couldn't even come up on a bill on their own. It was so fucking convoluted. Each one they came up with was like full of tax breaks and all this other bullshit and all the fucking trying to repeal the uh, the payroll tax, all that does is essentially cut into social security which is their ultimate goal anyway because Mitch McConnell's a fucking ghoul and Donald Trump is just this disgusting person who doesn't actually understand economics despite being a quote unquote billionaire and, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> and Steve Mnuchin is another human fucking garbage pile with zero accountability so you take these three bad actors and try to have them actually do right by the people, which is insane in the first place, because if you're supposed to be these, like, people wanting to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, you're literally voting for a man with a golden fucking toilet. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I always, I always, like, try to understand why people voted for Trump. And it's, of course, it's the cruelty, the racism for some of them. But, like, for a lot of them, it's like, hey, man, like, the Democrats and the Republicans aren't doing shit for us. And Trump made a lot of, a lot of, uh, like, he, he ran as a fake populist. You know what I mean? He made a lot of promises that he didn't keep, obviously. But, like, that's what people want. That's what people need. You know what I mean? And, like, I understand why a lot of people voted for Trump. Trump is the be-all and end-all of American politics, of capitalism. It, it always, it, it was always going to lead here. You know what I mean? On, on the edge of fascism. 
Well, he, the reason why a lot of people, are you familiar with the Trump, for, I mean, the quote from Richard Wright? The, uh, it's, there's, there's this old quote, it's, socialism never took root in America because the poor see themselves as an exploited proletariat, but temporarily, but instead as temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, she, or sorry, the idea is essentially when you take these working class people or you take poor people or you take underserved people, whatever way you want to describe it, you just wanted people that had to, had a change because a lot of people don't feel, yeah, there's a lot of it rooted in racism. There are definitely shades to that and that's undeniable, but for the most part, there were a lot of good people that were like, you know what, fuck the system. I'm tired of people like Hillary Clinton getting this nod, which nobody, Hillary Clinton should have never done it. She was a terrible candidate. She, well, she's a good candidate on paper because of experience. And I do not believe whatsoever that we would be in this situation with COVID oh, no. had she had the realm, oh, no. the, the helm of it. No. So I, no. I will <laughs> say that it's, they just took somebody that was so unlikable and so divisive and that they, they knew they owed her the shot. Everyone's like, why didn't Biden get it last time? I'm like, dude, she was teed up. They, I, that was the deal with the devil when Obama fucking smoked her. That's like, they made that, that deal. There was like, yo, I'm going to make you secretary of state. I'm going to put you on the path. When I step down, you're up. It's your shot. Let me be the first, then you be the second. Bang, bang, we go back to back. We show how progressive and great America is. It just didn't happen that way because you took somebody who was so fucking divisive. People hate her husband on his own merit. Yeah. So what makes, what makes you think that, like, an extraordinarily flawed candidate, candidate socially, when you put her up against this, like, smoke show asshole who, like, brings out the circus of shit talk, you know, he took... You, you had Democrats who stayed at home because they were like, well, fuck it, she's going to win, we're status quo. And then you had all these emboldened people who were like, no, that's my guy. I'm a, you know, a fucking car mechanic and I hate everyone. And my, the greatest joy of my life is fixing my Toyota Tercel. And next thing you know, <laughs> you get this asshole. And, but when you look at it through the through 2020, you're like, oh shit, it was all there. It was yeah. completely all there. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I don't know, like, I always tell people, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, I didn't vote for Trump either, I voted for the third party, I voted uh, Green, I voted for Jill Stein, with the assumption that Hillary will win. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, for a pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had I known how bad it was going to be, I probably would have voted for Hillary. Like, I'm voting for for Joe Biden this time because like there's no fucking way I'll survive myself like I, I mean I'm gonna vote for, for Joe Biden for other people too but I'm looking at it for, for myself like I don't know if I'll survive another four years of, of this buffoon in the White House like I just I, I, I don't know I don't see it you know what I mean <laughs> like this dude like up until May of this year I was like well fuck this election I don't like Joe Biden. I'm I'm gonna vote Green again. But like the way he's handled the coronavirus and the unrest in America and the the, the teetering on blatant fascism is just like okay, dude. Well, I, I don't have any other choice. I'm gonna have to vote for Joe Biden. And like it sickens me to say that because I, I can't stand Joe Biden at all. Like he's part of the reason why the system is the way it is. Like he's had a big hand in it. 
But I mean, he can't handle the coronavirus as bad as Donald Trump. There's no way. The, I, I would look at it in one simple way. Joe Biden is nothing more than a symbolic band-aid on America. That's <laughs> it. That's it. It's You're not voting for his policies. You're not voting for anything. You're voting for everyone to go, okay, we've closed this chapter. This experiment is over. Let's get back to normal and let's get people who understand the job. Like, look, is Joe Biden a fucking politician all day long? But you know what? Joe Biden's got fucking 20 some odd years in the game. So he's going to go, okay, here's, we're putting this, we're putting these, this task force together. I'm putting these people in power. I'm putting this guy in. I'm putting this uh, woman in. And it's like, if you put people who actually know what they're doing in their jobs and giving people like Dr. Fauci and all these other people the power again and not pulling money from the World Health Organization yeah. and all these other like resource sharing entities, we are going to see real change in the sense of at least the coronavirus. And I think that the party has pushed him far enough to the left. I mean, Kamala Harris is no magical fucking unicorn by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But it's a oh. symbolic gesture to go, we just we need to pump the brakes and we need to at least, you know, yo, like, let's talk and hug this thing out because from here forth forward, we got to work. I mean, that's literally because you're seeing all these Republican groups being like, we're voting for Joe Biden. And so... When you see the opposite party being like, I, I, we can't get behind this clown any farther. Like, we're all unified pretty much in that. It's basically, it's a, it is a us versus them scenario. And hopefully people are all like, look, we'll take a shot on the old crazy guy because that old crazy guy at least had like a lot of tragedy in his life and understands humility. Trump has had no fucking tragedy in his life. Mm. Sure has. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man! Like, I'm I'm at the point where like I'm to like every day is just like okay, what next? <laughs> yeah, like what what where the hell do we go from here? You know what I mean? Like I just I don't know if you watch any of the RNC. Oh no, I was talking to a friend. Of, I I heard a little bit on NPR, and a friend of mine she was like, why? you're not watching i'm like to be honest with you i go on social media like once a day mm. i just i'm checked out i like i am over mm. all of the like the, i saw some of the rnc stuff and it's like you guys are bad it's just a fucking propaganda Jesus bad shit Christ, bananas man. machine yeah yeah like i mean i wouldn't yeah. watch it i wouldn't watch it if i wasn't doing this you know what I mean? In my spare time, like, I, I run a political podcast, so I have to, like, at least know what the other side is doing. I mean, Jesus Christ, there was, it's like watching old, old, like, footage from, from, you know, World War II or something. You're watching Nazi Germany, and they got, like, 50 flags in the back, and they got people pounding on the table while they're giving speeches, and it's like... What the hell is this? Did they all did they all take a class from Disney Villains USA or something like? <laughs> like it sounds like a bunch of Skeletors giving giving speeches. You know what I mean <laughs> about the the most ridiculous yeah. shit ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the RNC shit's got me uh, just a pinch extra freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I'm, like I don't, I don't like uh, talking about 
Republicans on this podcast at all because I feel like everybody knows the Republicans are bad. But like, I can't ignore this shit anymore, man. Like, like we gotta get these these dudes out. Yeah. They they can't they can't win another four years. The, um, there was, can't. I think it was Drew Carey. Drew Carey said he goes, you know, when you see the comet that goes past and all those little like flecks of shit that are coming off and they're burning out because uh-huh. that's he's like that's essentially what the modern Republican Party has become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, we're just dealing with the last flecks of shit and then we can move on to a different thing and i mean like is there an, is there a need for like two two points of view to constantly talk yes i think there is i think there's validity in that and people should always have continued conversation it's just like we need to have adult human conversations when people are like well uh joe biden did this racist thing or there's like kids in cages they're like kamala harris helped the wall and all that i'm like that's fine you know, here's the conversation in 2020, moving into 2021. If you can't be held for personal accountability for the things of the past, if you can't acknowledge them and then help to move forward to find solutions for the things that you put into power, then fuck you and we will fight against you. But I will at least give you the open opportunity to try to right the wrongs of the past. Do kids belong in cages? Absolutely fucking not. We should change because Joe Biden has already said straight up. He goes, "I'm if, if uh, I'm elected, I'm opening visas way back up." He's like, "We will have more uh, worker uh, the H1B2 or whatever. I can't remember. It's HB2 or something, but it's the worker visa that if you're a highly skilled worker, you can come back to America and you can fucking make a life. That's what that shit should be. If you mm-hmm. got a fucking trade, if you got a skill, come here, make us better, make us stronger. This fucking closed border, closed-minded garbage is stupid." Yeah. Oh my God, man, this this is such a hellscape. So, um, let's move on. Um, let's talk about uh your your career. Uh, so I, wa- I watched your promotional video. Um, it was really really interesting. Um, Thanks, man. The first, yeah. Um, the the first thing I want to ask is, uh, you mentioned how you're doing. Like the first thing you. You, you said in the video, you mentioned how you were doing during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, could you just elaborate on that a bit? Like, how's your your quarantine going? Uh, at first, it was fun. You know, at first, we're all like, we're in the house, we don't have to go to work, it's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, like, you're like, yeah, we're just gonna drink all night, we're gonna watch Rick and Morty for, like, five hours, and it was fun. And it was fun. But then, like, you're like, wait a minute, I miss my friends. Yeah. I miss people Mm. i miss going to shows i miss going to the bar i miss like hugging people and then that shit started to like really deteriorate my mental health i was bad i I suffer from high functioning anxiety and depression as it is Mm. and the coronavirus absolutely like decimated me emotionally and there was a point there for like about a month where i was so fucking depressed it was unbelievable and I uh, had separated from my wife uh, a year ago, and so I was going through a divorce in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. I get to see my kids, and I see my kids all the time, but I like was missing my kids. My dog is at my ex-wife's house, and, you know, I've been dealing with that. I was totally fucking single on the rebound. Oh, fuck, you got starved. What'd you say? It sounds like you got starved out from a lot of yeah. things that you needed to be okay. Yeah, and like I, you know, now I have a new someone new in my life, and it's great. Like getting hugs from her makes me feel like a million dollars because 
I'm around somebody who like likes me and wants to be around me. So that like did a number on my mental health. But uh, between like writing, like I'm still I'm just getting back to where I can kind of write. Like I went through a huge thing where I couldn't do essays. I couldn't do anything. Like I'd hit a lick now and again. I'd be like bang, I got something good. And then like if there was a point where I was really manic and I was killing it. And then when the depression hit, I was fucked. I couldn't do anything. I was just miserable. Like I just wanted to lay in bed. And I'm past that now, but it, it was rough. I mean, the pandemic is not. I'm a. I need to be out. Like in the. I need to be living, mixing it up. I'm. I belong in bars, going to shows, going like fucking bowling or playing like eating at restaurants. Like I am not a homebody. Yeah. So it did not do well for me because I need these things in my life and now things are better but oof, it was ugly there for a minute mm-hmm. yeah I'm the complete opposite like I'm uh, I'm an introvert so I mean being in the house is basically how I live anyway like, <laughs> so like I don't want to yeah, say that I'm, a, I'm a hermit or anything like that but like it, it wasn't that much of a change in my routine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. First of all, I work at night, so I'm sleep during the day anyway. So, like, you know, I'm pretty used to being by myself. Like, I'm married. I have my wife here, my dog here. We don't have any kids yet, but, you know, I'm pretty much living life as normal as I could. Now, the thing about me is that... uh I do actually need to have fun every once in a while, so that part is really hard. Like, like my birthday just passed in April, I couldn't have a party. I imagine everybody's birthdays just been like, okay, well, I'm just here another year, <laughs> and it's like it sucks that like yeah. you can't see any of your friends. Like, even I have friends, you know. <laughs> and it's, it, it sucks, man. Like you. Like, I used to like going out to restaurants. Now, restaurants are opening where I am, but I'm still not going. Because, like, (laughs) the fuck? I've been going. Like, I've come to this place where I just try to have personal accountability. Mm. Because, you know, like, I was out with my chick the other night, and we were in three different places. We were wearing our masks, we were following the rules, but I was just with her, and you know what it's like i can't i'm at the point now where it's like i'm not gonna shit on you i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna like what are your rules i would hear to them if they say you have to wear a mask when you get up to go pee no big groups that's fine i got it but like i will follow the rules 100 percent with what in the guidelines you have but you know i wanted to spend time and hang out and like and i've seen a couple of friends in places and it's like if I can go in there and drink a couple of beers and kick it, I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna I I, just, I can't sit in the house anymore. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, man. I'm 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 not knocking you at all. I'm just like, it's like I'm I'm not scared for myself. I don't like I don't think I'm gonna get the virus because I mean I know what I'm doing. I'm being careful. My problem is other motherfuckers. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there who are just you know what I mean. Care to the wind, like I, oh, I don't care about nothing. I'm not gonna wear a mask. I'm, I'm gonna be all in your face, and you know what I mean, touching everything. And I'm just like, yo, I, 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 I just can't be around motherfuckers like that. Like, I'm sorry. Take this, take this virus seriously. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Just 
don't be an asshole. Care about somebody other than yourself, please. Yeah. I mean, we, that's how, for the most part, people are here in Austin is everybody's really cognizant of the rules. Like, you can't walk in anywhere without a mask. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's, I just follow the rules, do what I'm doing, because I, I just want to be able to have a beer and, you know, kick, and kick it. And that's really what I'm trying to be doing, because I can't mm-hmm. just sit in this house fucking in this room and shit. And I, I can go out with her and or see a friend and it's much much easier on my like brain yeah the one thing i i, I am gonna miss though is going to the movies because i was like a big movie hit so like i don't know how movies are gonna work this year they're, they're talking about they're gonna have partitions in the movie theater now and you know i, I don't know man sitting in a dark room with a whole bunch of people jeez. We got this thing here called uh, Alamo Draft House. This uh-huh. is a chain of movie theaters, and it's the best. And right now, what they're doing is like you can have groups of twenty-five. I think it is mm-hmm. like your group only, and uh, like it's basically it sits down and you can. They have badass food, and they have like this really curated movie experience, mm-hmm. and it's super dope. And they'll you they're like they have a whole list of shit. And it's like two hundred movies, and you can rent it out. I think it's like. Three hundred dollars mm. for like twenty-five people, and you, you can fucking watch like Empire Strikes Back or Goonies or something. Mm. And a couple of my friends were like, "Dude, we could totally do that. We could get twenty-five people together to go like yeah. have drinks and eat and watch the Goonies and shit." Yeah, that's not bad for three hundred dollars for twenty-five people. That's not uh, bad. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Even if you don't have the money, I'm pretty sure you can scrounge it up between twenty-five motherfuckers. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's fuck. I mean, shit. <laughs> As long as a couple of people got good jobs, shit. I mean, like, fuck it, I'll throw in 50. The, yeah. Coming up with that 300 between five people ain't shit. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that, that's that's one. That's one I, I was hoping, like, they would bring back drive-ins. They did here. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got a couple in, in the area that I'm in. Liv, do you have any drive-ins? Oh, hell yeah. Totally do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they've been going on. I haven't, I haven't figured out that any come on there. So I haven't. Yeah, because that's, that's my... into the local park. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to miss movies. So, I mean, if I can find uh, a drive-in movie theater to go to, like, that's that's going to be... That's going to help my mentor a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. I think the experience of going to the drive-in is, you know, it's cool in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been the one. Like I'm, like I said, I'm only thirty, yeah. so like they were like pretty much gone by the time you know I came of age. So if they they're making a comeback now, um, I, I would love the experience. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's a fun way to spend a night. It's not an everyday thing, but it's definitely uh, if you and your you know, your wife are like, hey, let's do this. You go grab some your favorite food and just kick it. It's fine. On, su- on summer night, it's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so how did you get into writing? You, you, um, Has this always been a passion of yours? Uh, yeah. How, mean, did, how, did you, how did you start out? Basically, it kind of the seed was planted around 93. 
Mm-hmm. And when I like 90, or sorry, I should say 94, 94 was like a crazy transformative year for me because I was 13. Uh, I was getting in like deeper and deeper into music. I was like, I had already been into the grunge thing, but I was falling way deeper into like punk and hardcore as metal, as I had said. Mm-hmm. And then like I started seeing like movies like Mallrats and I saw Clerks and I saw Chasing Amy and I saw The Crow and all these different things. And then I saw Pulp Fiction which Pulp Fiction blew my fucking mind. <laughs> and because up until that point, everything was like Star Wars and the Terminator. Yeah. And so you see this and you're like, holy shit, like this is about like people with crazy dialogue and this story that is totally out insane to me, but it didn't feel like a movie that I had seen. And so all of the things, all those other things, because the pro and, uh, you know, like ball rats, those still feel like movies, you know? And mm-hmm. but Clerks didn't, but in terms of all those things, but Pulp Fiction definitely stood on its own merits. That kind of planted the seed of like being creative on your own terms. And then by the time I was in high school, um, I was a senior in 2000, and I could had kind of mentioned to my teacher because I was I'd always done really really well with writing, and then I kind of had explained to my teacher like, hey, I think uh, I kind of want to be a writer, and he was like cool he's like well try and so i put all my effort into these papers that he would assign us and then i got an a plus on one i'd written about my grandmother who recently who passed just prior and i was really close with her and he pulled me aside and was like look dude there are like what your what your peers can do and then there's this he's like if you had the inkling that you wanted to be a writer he's like you can be a writer he's like your your classmates are not capable of what you just put out Mm. and so that gave me the confidence to kind of pursue it and i was you know that was 2000 so i was 18 years old and i just ran with it and i've been in it chasing it ever since and i'm 39 so for i went to the community i had opportunities to go to really good colleges but i'm really proud of myself because i got accepted to go to some pretty good colleges but they I never took an ACT. It was all based on like my writing and shit like that, and like the strength of teachers being interested in me and wanting to help me. Oh wow! And um, so having those conversations, but I knew I was going to go to college in Dublin, a Trinity, and I saw what it was going to cost. It was going to be like fifty thousand dollars a year, and my parents aren't rich. My parents are fucking regular ass people. Yeah. And so I was like, I will financially ruin my parents if I try to go here. So I opted for a community college near the house, and then I went to this specialized school that taught, like, radio, TV, and, like, basic, basic uh, news writing. And I just got a a journalism degree and got some internships and just kept grinding from there. And my first job was working for an uh, NBC affiliate in Rockford, Illinois, and I got to interview Obama when he was still... um, running for senate and then i did that for a little bit and then ended up at the chicago board of trade i got out of it because i fucking hated what i was i just hated being all the way away from chicago and being reminded that my friends were having fun and i was stuck in this podunk town mm-hmm. so i ended up writing for the board i well i worked in the chicago board of trade in the pits and i was just, i had a bunch of family friends there and they told me they're like i'll oh, just learn the business once you when something opens up in marketing you can become a copywriter that never opened up and i was shitty at and i'm terrible at math and so 
I just kind of existed there. And then by like 2007, I had made the resolve that I was like, fuck this. I'm gonna like just totally go all in on writing and do nothing else and I'll figure it out. Because when I was at the board, all I was doing was like partying my ass off and writing this like really shitty esoteric beat generation like Jack Kerouac stuff and it was garbage. <laughs> and so that's when I moved to New Orleans and then just dedicated myself 100% to it. And here we are 13 years later. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, you mentioned in, in your promo yeah. video that you uh, you got to travel a lot. Um, you, you mentioned going to, to Australia, Sydney, Australia. Um, yeah. Is there any other places in particular you want to share? Uh, I went to Australia twice. I used to go to California all the time. Mm-hmm. I've been a pretty much I'm about 10 states away from saying that I've been all 50 and then I went to Orlando a few like with work and that's pretty much it I was supposed to go to Europe and that didn't end up working out I was trying to before I left that company I was trying to make the business case to go to Japan but that didn't mm-hmm. end up working out but mm-hmm. once uh pandemic is over and I kind of figure out what's going on professionally because I was the one of the reasons why I made the special is because I was talking with people about making a TV show I was in LA right before lockdown uh, meeting with I'm signed to a production company and I kind of need to know what's going on with all of that mm-hmm. this the, the whole idea with the special is to like get back on people's radar and to like Hey, I'm still here. Uh, you should read my work. And, but if, depending on next, in 2021, what it looks like, I'm going to go to Thailand and uh, I want to get a Sakyan tattoo. It's a tattoo that like a Buddhist monk gives you. And so mm-hmm. I want to go do that. That's what I'm hoping 2021 is for me. Uh, did, did I hear you say that you are a, pro, that you are a Buddhist in your promo? Yeah. Um, curious about uh, about how how you found that and um, your your relationship to Buddhism. Um, my relationship to Buddhism was, yeah, no, it's cool. I was always like had a deep interest in it. Like in my early twenties, I dipped into it super hard, and then when I moved to New Orleans, it kind of went up and down depending on how drunk I was and like what I was going through. <laughs> and it, I went to like the Buddhist temples and prayed and there, like meditated and did the whole thing and ate the food like every Sunday they make food and you hang out and then I met my ex-wife and then I kind of like totally tapered off because we were hanging out and we ended up having kids we moved here and it was like a total like different thing but when I got divorced I that was one of the personal commitments I made to myself was to always take Buddhism back in my heart and take it seriously because I'd like gone through such like a profound Mm -hmm. like life change and so, um, mm-hmm. I've seen the Dalai Lama, I saw him speak in New Orleans, like I've been to temples and things like that, and I try to like maintain the philosophy of constant learning and enlightenment and, te- and treating people with respect and thinking about something, not just from my initial knee-jerk reaction, but how can I think about this from a 360-degree point of view, because that will help me understand where you come from and maybe there's a solution that we're not thinking about instead of me just being like fuck you that's wrong and Mm -hmm. i think that that ultimately even if you are ultimately wrong i'm just trying to understand to make sure that 
we can have a place to talk if there is a place to talk. And I don't like relying on anger and I try not to kill things and I try to always strive for find new ways to like there's a thing in buddhism can be calling a bodhisattva and it's this like continual path to enlightenment to, to working to becoming an enlightened figure and that's what i'm on the journey to trying to do is how can i constantly find new ways to learn things and to be a better person not just for me and for my kids but ultimately to the world and by lead by example and so but not without any kind of personal gain but just trying to be uh understand that nothing is permanent and if nothing is permanent i actually have to do something good with while i have this shot at uh my time here uh, that's that's wonderful man um so talk about your 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 special uh you, you have a special coming out um yeah, it's called uh, Functioning on Zero. Robert mm-hmm. Dean, live from the Lost Well. Essentially, mm-hmm. one of the bars I kick it at is, you know, they're trying to raise money in any way they can to keep the lights on, and they were renting out, um, they were renting out space to like, like if you're a band, you're like, hey, we, you guys can play. We'll give you a sound guy, do the lights, do what you need to do in here, and it's like a hundred dollars for four hours or something. And so I was like, what can I do? And then I thought about this Charles Bukowski special from 1972 called Bukowski Reads Bukowski mm-hmm. and I was like I'm gonna just try to do that and I'm gonna read my own stuff and so I filmed it at the Lost Well and I have no real expectations for it other than I'm just trying to get people to watch and I got a new uh, collection of essays coming out in 2021 called Lucky Fuck and mm-hmm. everything is from that and I don't know what I was trying to really achieve with it. I was just trying to like say like, hey, I'm still here, still writing, hanging out. Like, I hope you guys like this, you know? Like, all you can do is just try to continually build the audience that hopefully people will still read you and give a shit about you when there's so many choices out there. Mm-hmm. So it's it'll be out on September 1st and I'm really excited about it. And I hope I hope people watch it. I have no idea what to expect. Uh, what what platforms are you releasing though? It'll be on YouTube, and then I'll share it on my uh, my Facebook page, and I'll share it on uh, Instagram. But it's gonna be on YouTube, and just trying to spread the word every you know every person I can. Uh, how how can people find you on YouTube? Uh, I, I guess just look on Robert Team. I I really I think that's what it is. I I I, if I was remiss to tell somebody just go to my Facebook page. It'll be on there. All right, that's good. That's that's Robert Dean. It's it's spelled how it sounds. It's really yeah. easy. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's white as fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, find him on Facebook. Find him on on YouTube. Uh, say the name of the special again. September first. Oh. It's called Functioning on Zero. Robert Dean live from the Lost World. You can find me on Instagram. It's literally Robert Dean, and then. Uh, Trust me, you'll find the right place on and Facebook. It's a lot of shit talking, memes, and uh, you know, politics stuff. I, I think my uh, I think my last article was about mayonnaise. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
What? I'm telling you, if you don't know, for anybody who's listening, if you don't know, QP mayonnaise is the best mayonnaise in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything else like uh, you'd like to say? Words of wisdom, advice? I mean, it definitely sounds like you live an interesting life. Um, I always like to end on with somebody's listening is if you're out there in your whatever kind of day you're having it's a good day or it's a bad day do something kind for somebody even if it's a small gesture or it's a big gesture whatever it is but just take a couple of minutes every we could all need it it doesn't matter if you see a homeless person and you buy them a mcdonald's cheeseburger or you tell somebody that their shoes look great just do something kind for somebody today because we could all use a little bit more warmth in our lives yeah especially nowadays Hellscape that is 2020. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this motherfucker Jesus. is exhausting. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to tune in to more of the RNC. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm going over uh, to my lady friend's house and I'm gonna make vegan lasagna. Oh, sounds good. Mm. It's actually I got the recipe from John Joseph, the singer of the Chrono Mags, and so I've always wanted to make it. And she's a vegan, so um, when I get off with you guys, I'm going over to the Indian market and getting some spices I've never used before. We're gonna see <laughs> how this works out. All right, man. Well, good luck, man. Um, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, be on the lookout for that special. Say the name one more time. Uh, functioning on zero, Robert Dean live from the Lost Ball. Just add me on, like, like me on Facebook. It makes me feel good, and it strokes my ego, and just as well, people pay attention to that shit. I'm basically trying to inform. I, I've I've been lucky that between the likes and the follows, it's like around ten thousand at this point, and mm-hmm. you know. I looked at it as it's not my success, it's our success. I'm just the bullhorn that tells the story for our people. And we're just trying to do right by the world. It's nothing, there's no agenda other than take people and love them and let's support everybody the best we can. Everybody deserves a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's basically what we started this podcast as. It's to give everybody the voice they never had. So... You know, I, I we only interview normal Americans. Like we're not we're not like searching out, you know, politicians and celebrities and whatnot. So I, I, I wanted to give everybody a platform and thanks again for, for coming on and you know, spreading your wisdom. Uh good luck with all your future endeavors. I'll be sure to check out that special when it comes out. That's September fourth. Um, all right, man. You, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having really me. Really appreciate it. All right, guys. This has been the Burn It Down Podcast, the revolutionary messaging program. I'm Jay Hezekiah. For Olivia Seaman, for Bobby Dean. See you later, guys.
There's been a lot of talk about race lately. I don't see color. Racism isn't real anymore. All lives matter. These words are actually harmful and steer away from the bigger issue. Racism still exists. Discrimination toward people of color still exists. Have you actually done it? Have you been able to overcome hatred? It's up to all of us to recognize that and take action. The decisions you make and the actions that follow are a reflection of who you are. If you're thinking, maybe, but not me, you've got some truth to uncover. But if you open your eyes and let go of the hate, you will see the truth. If you're thinking, this isn't why I watched Tsunami, think again. Think about how you can fight against injustice. All of us together, standing and fighting as one. Think about how you can be a part of an honest conversation about racism. Because black lives matter and will always matter. I 
you what it takes to make this one better place. Let's erase the waste. Take the evil out the people, they'll be acting right. Cause both black and white, they smoke a crack tonight. And the only time we deal is when we kill each other. It takes skill to be real, time to heal each other. And though it seems heaven sick, we ain't ready to have a black president. It ain't a secret, don't conceal the fact. The penitentiary back, and it's filled with black. I wake up in the morning and I ask myself, Is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse than black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a person. Cops give a damn about a Negro. Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero. Mo nigga, mo nigga, mo niggas. Rather be a dead than a poor nigga. Let the Lord judge the criminals. If I die, I wonder if I ever got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. And I wonder if heaven got a ghetto. 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 Trustee, trustee, what you want, man?